Love Talk Radio. Mets will operate out of the shotgun. He's got three receivers right, Aaron Jones to his right. There's the snap. Mets rolling to his right, looking, looking, looking. Fires into the end zone. It is caught by Warren Reddick. It is caught by Warren Reddick. Touchdown, Miners! Woo! Yeah! Yeah! Feel hype about that win, baby. What's good? Woo! What's going on, Miner Nation? I'm Anthony Salome, and the one and only Alex Nicholas is going crazy over here. Still hyped up about that win over UTSA. As he put it a minute ago, he said, you know what? Should I say it? Do it. He says they could lose the rest of the games. I don't care. They beat NMSU. They beat UTSA. They gave Texas a, a run for their money. I'm good with that. So uh, how y'all doing? Another another Wednesday, another podcast, except we got something different to talk about this week. We got a win. A W. After five straight losses, we got a win to talk about a win that not many people expected. Maybe this team did, and that's good. You know, we talked about it last week. If, if Sean Cougar could get them back to, uh, to where they were before, believing in themselves and whatnot, but... And we also got some basketball to talk about, even though it's it, practice basketball. Well, it's, it, but I got some good things off, what? Sunday, Four Sunday days? afternoon, well, the uh, exhibition series. Sunday exhibition, afternoon. Yeah, yeah. But I did, I, I got some good takes for y'all. Um, I watched, I, for the first time in a while, I watched UTEP basketball without the orange goggles. And I think I'll have some good takes for you guys. Some, some Is good, that possible? When it, you know what? After six years of this shit, or seven years, yeah. So let's just jump right back into. I mean, well, I, I, honestly, I don't know if you heard the post game show uh, with with Tyche when he goes up. He had some epic calls, bro. Like every touchdown. I mean, that game, that game was wild. Let's just start off with that. I mean, that game was wild. Ejections, uh, point swings, mood swings, turnovers that made it seem like. I mean, that cats were already writing up obituaries, had headlines already uh, written up. Yeah, who, who are you talking whoa, about? Oh, I mean, that game was, I mean, that was just wild. But you know what? The biggest thing I took away from it is these kids responded to the bye week, and we finally opened up the offense a little Look, bit. in my defense, in my defense, I was using reverse psychology, okay? That's what I was doing. I was using, you know what's funny? What Alex is talking about, guys, and I'll share it, I don't care. You know, after that fumble in the fourth, was it was fourth overtime? Fourth, right? yeah. After that fumble in the fourth overtime, I go, I start doing the write-up, and and you know, I title it, and I'm, I had already titled it UTEP fumbles away victory or whatever, you know, UTEP fumbles away four four overtime loss or something like that, and uh, I sent it to Alex, and the next thing you know, they missed the field goal, <laughs> and we're still alive. But it, it was all it was all reverse psychology, all right. In my defense, that's, I was trying to, you know, I was trying to outthink things. Hey, but you weren't lying though, because in that situation, I mean, really. I mean that like there was it, it was fitting though. It, yeah, it really so was. It is, it, it, how the season is done, it was fitting. It really was, and, and I, honestly, I thought it, we were dead in the water. I mean, there was a couple of times like you guys saw my write up. I mean, the first time was that fourth quarter drive. Boom, Sturm gets a twelve yard completion. Boom, Sturm gets a twelve yard scramble, and I'm thinking, here it goes. They're just gonna run out the clock. They're gonna be able to get the run going, and then they call like that deep middle route, and homeboy drops the ball. Yeah. And like I mean, that was that's either to me that's either a touchdown, a first down inside the ten, or a first time. Like basically, it was game time. Less than three minutes to go. They could have ran the clock. I think we had two timeouts left, maybe even all three. But still, to me, that right there. I, once I seen him break free, and you know, obviously watching on TV, and that ball's in there, I'm thinking there it is. Like that, like they came this far. It was a good fight. Whatever you know, better than what we thought. And right then and there, I was like, shit, something crazy is gonna happen. When he dropped that pass, I think it's something crazy. And then all of a sudden, UTSA goes conservative, gives UTEP the ball back, 
goes back and forth once again, and it goes to overtime. I mean, there was just so – I mean, this game was just crazy. You know, from the beginning when UTSA jumps out 14 nothing, we bust a, a boat – I mean, blew a bad coverage. Dude has everybody beat by 20 yards. It's 14 nothing. I'm over here thinking, damn, it's going to be a long game. They're going to do whatever they want defensively. Offense, we're going to struggle. But then what happens? Finally, finally, seven weeks, eight weeks into the season, the pass game is open. Simple. And it was simple. It was, you know, we've kind of – It was everything, though. It wasn't yeah. just the simple. I mean, they, they pulled it all but, out. But, but to me, it was simple because they utilized in to get UTSA linebackers to go side to side instead of what they do best. And we talked about it last week, how that the two linebackers do a good job running downhill. Now, all of a sudden, they're having to cover tight ends running crossing and, routes. And, and did, you that see, was huge. did you see what it did for Aaron Jones? It, I, you know, here's, here's the thing. These announcers, I couldn't stand it. These announcers yeah, were, were so pro-UTSA, man. They made I it mean, seem like UTEP was, was running guys on both sides. Yeah, of the it, was, it was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. Stupid, but, man. but they kept talking about, oh, they, you know, we're in the third overtime, and Aaron Jones still doesn't have 100 yards. I'm like, bro. He rushed like 11 times in regulation. Mm-hmm. I, it was 11 or 12 carries. He ended up with, what, 19? Yeah, 18. 18. 18. You know, but he, they didn't need him to run the ball that much, and he still got over 100 oh, yards. And he still just and, and that's what happens. Oh. And not only that, you save him, you know, for later games. And, and you know, you, you allow him to do what he does, be successful at what he does, and do it for the entire season. Rather than like we've seen in year past, just try to run him, you know, into the ground 30 times a game and pass it to him another 10 and just hope he, he makes it through. But you know, great win, man. Great win, no matter no matter. It was a wild game from from start to finish. I mean, you open up the game and, and UTSA goes down 14-0, and I'll eat it again, man. You know, I, I tweeted out right away. You know, I I made a, a sarcastic tweet, and you know, I didn't really get any grief for it. Surprising, but you know, I'll eat that. You know, Sean Coogler showed 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 what he's got as a coach. You know, Brent P showed what he's got as an offensive coordinator. Finally, I mean, that was... This team showed what they had because you fall behind 14-0, right? 28-14. And then 28-14 on the road, like... The way that it happened. ...from those two deficits is very, very impressive. And so, you know, great win for the Miners. What a wild way for it to go five overtimes. I mean, I, for a second, though, they, they flashed the, the stat of, you know, longest... Game ever, most overtime game, seven, that's seven, seven, right? And I'm thinking we might hit that tonight. By the fourth, oh, yeah. yeah. When the they missed that field goal, I was like, like oh. this thing is not going to end. I mean, but, there was just so many things to take away. But I think the two things that I took away from it, actually three things. I'm going to go into three things. As you mentioned Aaron Jones, of how it opened it up. How about how it opened it up in the pass game? I mean, at first, the, the first five to eight plays were just typical bullshit that we've seen. Three three yards in a cloud of dust. Three yards in a cloud of dust. And that's what we felt. That's why we fell behind. Yeah, exactly why we fell behind. And all of a sudden, the pass game go, opens up, and now they got to worry about plink tearing shit up. They got to worry about fray tag. And oh, Aaron Jones leaks out for a touchdown pass, and it just continued. I mean, it, that was a big deal. And also in the overtime, I mean, dude, how good is Aaron Jones on that overtime touch? I mean, man, that that was that that right there was just. Pure talent. I yeah, mean, no, I mean, and Ryan Metz. You, I went back and watched, I mean, Ryan Metz. Every time he's tearing up that cover two, or it's, it's like a cover two, cover three, maybe even a cover four. And Metz is 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 kind of looking off. He knows it's there. Once he looks, all he's got to do is, is is throw it. And he threw just a beautiful ball. Aaron Jones. I mean, if he wants to play receiver in the NFL. If yeah. he wants to play running back in the NFL, if he wants to play safety I mean, in the NFL, the adjustment he, he made to, to make that catch, it, it shows that this kid belongs 
at the next level. And I think I texted you that immediately. Yeah. You know, I was like, this guy belongs in the NFL. I mean, and it, it just, it's just apparent with everything that he shows on a weekly basis. But, you know, another thing, I don't know where you're going with, you, with your next point, but I want to bring one up real quick, and it's Walter Don. You know, we've, we've known that this kid had some special ability, you know, that he was a talent. We didn't know exactly when he was going to kind of break out and how he was going to be used in this offense. Spot and, receiver exactly. and, 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 I mean, the kid just – he only had, like, five or six carries, five touches, I think, right? Five touches for 112 yards. It's ridiculous, scores. bro. That's ridiculous. And, and for, to have a guy like that that can spell Aaron Jones and then play the slot or play whatever position you need him to play, you know, to have both those guys on the field at the same time, bro, that's called explosive. You know, that, that, it, it's crazy. Those guys combined for six touchdowns on the, on the night. So great stuff from both those guys. But Walter Don, man, that's a name that we can look forward to hearing for quite some time. And, and so that, that second point kind of leads into the third, and that second point is definitely about Walter Don and, and – we mentioned Brent Peace, but Brent Peace saved the season with that trick play. I mean, I, I remember texting you on that. I'm thinking, okay, this, you know, this, here it is. Like, I felt like the offense was getting, getting going. I felt like they were that, that our pass game was really opening up AJ. And I was thinking, here comes that big run. Here comes that big run. And because I felt like, okay, UTEP's going to go back to the run game here. I really felt like, I felt like, okay, they're gonna, they, they've opened up the pass game a little bit. You might be able to grab five, six yards on, on, a, on a run and then boom, pop one. But – Brent Peace, I mean, that, if we haven't seen too many trick calls play, or, or as many as we thought, but that was a perfect situation because it tied it. And then leading into my second, my third and final point, I think that play with Walter Don making that run just ignited a fire yeah. on the sideline. And you saw how that defense came on the fourth quarter and virtually just shut down UTSA after, I mean, defense really was getting their ass kicked in the first three quarters. That's, you know, it was great win and all that, but that is something to look at. But that trick play with Walter Don and that you know, call for Brent Peace was I just, just – if we're looking at – if I was just saying this, I don't if UTEP does end up turning this thing around, that's a turning point for me right there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, won't, I won't go to the whole turning it around thing just yet. Just yet. We've got a couple yeah. games here that, that if, you, if you win them, if, yeah, now, that's, now yeah, that's what I'm saying. If it but, does, but that's what, but yeah. As far as the trick play goes, I have a, a couple different takes on it or a couple different points and thoughts on it. Is just, you know, first of all, why do you wait till game seven, you know, to break something out like that? And the to offense open up your has just offense. been horrible. Yeah, I mean, why, why, why wait till game seven? Um, but another thing is, I don't know, because it wasn't, it was executed well, but it wasn't necessarily, it was, it was fairly obvious what was going on yeah. if you were watching it. You know, every time Kavika Johnson's on yeah, the field. Yeah, exactly. The and, and not only that, but you see him kind of fading back into the backfield. So it is a backwards lateral, yeah. you know? And so you kind of figured what was going on, but it, it throws a defense off because they're not used to seeing anything like that out of the minor. Yeah. So, you know, is that type of play something that can be successful long-term? You know what I mean? Is that something that you can True. use in two or three True. games again? Or is that going to be something? You got to do something different. Exactly. I, I so, you know, I different. look, it was a great play. It, it, it sparked this team. Um, but I, I, I don't know what to make of it so yeah, much. I, I, I want to see, I, I see, I wanna see him get from. creative with it, but I don't think it can just be, let's just uh, toss it to Kavika and let him throw it. You because know, that was a very elementary forward. trick play. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. And, and I see what you're saying. I, I think it's just the timing of it. Like, more, more than it, that's why I think it was great. Cause, but, no, I agree with you. That's a damn good point because, yeah, it was elementary. I mean, any time could we could come and, and the thing that really pissed me off was that third down. Was it late over one of the overtimes they settled for a field goal and they bring in Kavika Johnson for the Wildcat? I mean, yeah, man. I it mean, was almost like they were settling. Let, let yeah, him throw yeah, yeah, yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't have in Kavika's new role. I don't mind him 
because that's I don't mind him throwing it like that because that's yeah. that's another that's another dimension you can add to an offense that is slowly very methodically slowly building different dimensions. It's taken a while, and, and, but it's good to see that. It's good to see them being able to open up that. But in that situation right there, let Kavika throw it. Bring more variation to the offense. But what did you think? defensively what do you think switched that tide because in the first half or the first three quarters it seemed like they were getting anything they wanted off play action it seemed like they were running the ball for five six seven yards what do you think it was defensively that that just kind of shut things down and really kept UTSA in the box and, and ultimately forced their play calling to go conservative you know I I just think this defense goes as the offense does and and that showed you know when the offense was struggling in the first and third quarters so was the defense and that's when you saw UTSA put up 14 points right away in the first. Right away in the third, they did the exact same thing. And, and when this defense is, is given some rest and then the offense is allowing the team to kind of get some momentum, I think that's really what fires up this defense. We've seen it all year long, you know, against Texas when, when we were, you know, we were making some progress in the, in the run game against Texas. We had Aaron Jones break that run and, you know, we kept the game close. That's when the defense was thriving. Once, once the offense struggles – this defense kind of loses their 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 energy, you know. It, they're just it, – it, it's not there. And so, um, you know, actual, you know, technically what were the things that, that made it change, I, I really couldn't tell you. I, I mean, I don't know what the coaches might say, but I just feel like it's more of a momentum thing. I feel like it's more of – if this offense can continue to move the ball down the field, the defense will step up for them. We've seen it time and time again, and, and I think that's what happened this weekend. Yeah, big time. I really I, – Keep going back to that trick play. I just thought that it just brought that and brought it exactly the whole that. Team. It sparked the whole team. And then you look at the, how the defense responded on the next drive. I think it was a three and out, or, or it was a three and out. And then you get that interception late in the game, which was huge. I mean, just it, it's really, really good to see this team just react to a one and five start. Probably a tough bye week in terms of what they did practice wise. They they upped up, you know, the, the intensity, the physicality, whatever. But let's. You, I don't think we're getting ahead of our, too ahead of ourselves. I think we're keeping it pretty realistic, but there's still a lot to go. There's still a long you know, way to we, go, and UTEP is not out of the water yet. It's a great win. It could, and I say could very loosely, it could spark something, but Here's we'll really thing. find out this weekend how, how much that win energizes. We, we knew coming into the season that there was a very good chance that this team would be a one in four after the first five games. I mean, that wasn't, about you it. know, that was something that we talked about from day one. Looking at the way the schedule set up, there was a very good chance for this team to be one, one and four. Now, the one loss that you couldn't take was that FIU loss. That set you back. That's the one that set you back. Even though one and four is bad enough, that, that fifth loss is the one that sets you back. But we knew also coming in that the second half of the schedule set up really well for this team, that if they could find some momentum after a one and four start, you could come back home and beat FIU. You could go on the road and beat UTSA. That all of a sudden at three and four, well, now you need three wins in the last five to make it to a bowl game. And, and so there's still hope, um, especially when you come back home to play o- ODU, who's kind of up and down. Um, and, and then you got Houston Baptist, which if we don't win that one, you know, Sean Cooley should be fired on the spot. I'll, I'll back my truck. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, you come back home, you can, if you can win those two, all of a sudden you're four and five. And, and you've got to win two out of three, but you've got some winnable games. FAU struggled. It's on the road, but FAU's been struggling. Uh, Rice, we, we know the struggles of Rice. 
They, although they put up what, like sixty points. I mean, it was, you know, whatever. But still, 60. you could, you they, know, they, were up big they showed too. a little, pro- a little progress from them. And then you come home and end the season at UNT. So there is still the, the door's not completely shut. But now there's no margin for error. That's what that FIU loss was. You know, that was that margin for error that you had. You had to win that one, and then you can lose one down the stretch and still be okay. But now you've already given that away. So door's not sh- completely shut, but it's getting close. It's getting real close. And moving on to ODU, this is. This is a hard game to gauge because you got UTEP coming off such a high win, and you got Old Dominion who just got thrashed. I mean, there's no way to put. They got their ass beat. I mean, we thought Army came in here and whooped that ass, but we were down 52-14. I mean, you want to get back on that plane and just go chill at the crib. I mean, that that was an ugly, ugly loss for Old Dominion who. That was kind of a game. I think we even may have said it on on our on the podcast last week where. It was kind of like a show me game for ODU. You know, they started off four and two. They can't, they were really high. They they beat some pretty decent teams, even though they got waxed by you know a team like uh, a team like Appalachian State, a team I thought maybe that would show. NC State, they kind of they got blown out too. The score was definitely not indicative of how separated that game was. But you know now you're looking in the conference USA play. Western Kentucky's kind of been up and down. They've played very close games this year. Yeah. Now you're doing okay, Old Dominion. If your defense can step up and give you a, give you a chance, you may be something in the East. So their defense just totally took a shot on themselves in a sense. Yeah. And that's a tough loss. So how will they rebound? And then how does UTEP handle success? You know, despite, that, that, that's what I'm looking at in this game. Despite being up and down, I see F, uh, I mean, uh, Old Dominion as a team that is kind of – borderline good, if you will. You know, they're not in that top tier of the league, but they're right there. To, they're the type of team that takes care of business. Yeah. They're not going to win the games that, that they shouldn't win. You they're going to win the games that they should. And they take care of business. You look at the schedule. Look at Hampton. They took care of them 54-21. They played a really good App State team that was coming off that, that near win over Tennessee. Um, they lose 31-7. NC State 49-22 also. Then they come back. They open up to USA, play against UTSA and Charlotte, and take care of them, double-digit wins. Same thing with UMass, double-digit win. This is a team that when they face lesser opponents, they, they kind of, you know, step up to the plate and they take care of business. They, 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 2014 minors. They play well against, against lesser opponents. Let's just put it that way. There's a lot of people that play down yeah. to the level of their competition. You know, UTEP, in a way, has done that so many times, you know, where we feel like this is a game we should win and we, you know, we're right there in a, in a dogfight with them or sometimes there's games where we play up to the level you know i look back at, at la tech last year yeah. where we shouldn't have been in the game nope. and yet we play to their level we, we, we were in a dogfight with them but again you know old dominion i expect them to come in here clicking and it's going to take an all-around effort from from this defense to shut them down to hold them because i don't know that this offense can score 30 points 35 points I just I haven't seen it yet. Obviously, we saw them do it in, in five overtimes, but you know I five haven't overtime. seen them put up you know thirty five. Can we get forty points? I mean, can, I don't know. I mean, legit question, legit question. The thing looking NMSU doesn't really count in my yeah, opinion. But, <laughs> but, yeah, if we played New Mexico team. Even even you and them put us a points. But the thing that really worries me is yeah, you, you you talk about being able to put up points, and a team like Old Dominion is just very explosive. I mean, they got. I, I wrote about it today about their dynamic athletes, and it starts with their quarterback, David Washington, a converted receiver. And, well, 
we all know how UTEP has struggled with these athletic quarterbacks that can move, namely on the zone read. Most of the time it's been when we're able to flush the pocket with a pass rush, there's nobody on the opposite side. There's not a spy or everybody's in coverage because we're rushing three, four, five at a time. Everybody has, has eyes and keys on the quarterback. Well, that turns into a 12, 14-yard scramble, which mm. has killed the UTEP defense on third and eight, on second and eight, on third and longs. And that's what worries me with a guy about David Washington. And then now the guy that I thought was probably maybe closest to Aaron Jones a couple of years ago, Ray Lowry, well, they found a compliment to him, and that's uh, Jeremy Cox. Both of these guys come in just uh, – Ray Lowry, six yards per carry. Jeremy Cox, 5.9 yards per carry. Both aren't really explosive backs. You look at their opportunity yards. They're not really big. Their opportunity rates are kind of below average of what you see from running backs that put up these type of numbers. But they're physical. They're hard to bring down. And they're that change of pace when Old Dominion runs that kind of NASCAR when, and their receivers uh, – try to spread the field, Durhart, Pascal, big guys, fast athletic guys. These running backs are kind of that change of pace that are going to come at you downhill, make you tackle, take you out of if – you, if you kind of run blitz somewhere, how physical they are, they're going to go a different opposite way. So I think defensively, this is going to be key to keep this team under 28 points for UTEP to win because they can put up points, they can put up yards, but most importantly what scares me is they can continue drives mm. with these running backs and with Washington's – running ability. And to your question, I don't know if UTEP can be able to hang in in a quote-unquote shootout against the team because that's how I'm kind of looking at this midweek of, you know, if UTEP's going to win this game, they're going to have to put up 30. I'm in your boat. They're going to have to – this may turn into a shootout, especially if the defense is allowing Old Dominion to do those little things that I was mentioning earlier. Yeah, and, you know, the one thing that really impressed me that we didn't even mention against uh, UTSA was UTEP's ability to tackle. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, there was many there times. was time after time where you had open field tackles one on one that and it just textbook wrap up and take to the ground, drive it into the ground, and and that was that was refreshing to see. Um, not that we've had necessarily the most struggles tackling this year, but when you're tackling at that level at this point in the season, something's going right though, you know, with that defense. So I'm not, you know, to me. I'm not so much worried about the, the the big play against against Old Dominion. We've also another thing that we saw for the most part was our secondary cover UTSA pretty damn well. Yeah. I mean Dalton Sturm finished like under well under fifty percent completion. If I'm not mistaken, it was like seventeen he, to forty one. He was just able to move the yeah. chains with his legs. Exactly. But you know, so I'm I'm not so much concerned about the big play, but we have to keep seeing that type of um, you know fundamental play to be able to stop drives because when you can can get a guy in the open field on a third and four and they they they're putting somebody out in the flats or something and it's a safety one-on-one with a whatever running back and you can make that play I mean you shut drives down you don't make that play they're down the field 15 20 yards and all of a sudden you know they're starting to move into range for scoring field goal range and yeah it really does and so if we can tackle this week, like we did against UTSA, I think we'll have very good success against this Old Dominion team. They're not as explosive as they might seem. They score, they have scored yeah. a lot of points, but you look at their guys, they're not big home run hitters. Yeah. Um, so even even Washington, the thing about him, though, is that he doesn't make mistakes. You know, you look at his numbers, 14 touchdowns, two interceptions. The guy's a smart football player, but, again, not really – not really your home run hitters, even out of the backfield with David Washington. I know you mentioned that you were kind of a little worried about him breaking the pocket and being able to use his legs to beat this defense. 
he's averaging 3.8 yards a carry with a long of 41. So that you take out that 41 yarder, he's probably well under three yards. So, you know, this team is not going to, we shouldn't be too worried about the big play, but we have to be able to just be sound fundamental, take care of business tackle. The rest will take care of itself. And then on the offensive side, I think it's the same formula because they're plus nine in the turnover margin. They've had an interception every game this year. And when I look at this is probably people, what the fuck are you talking about? How are you going to compare the two? I look at, I kind of look at high school football and college football the same in terms of defense, maybe not so much offense, but I saw and I watched one of the top defenses in the city last week in Cano Tio. And I'm looking at their statistics and it's not just one guy doing it. It's everybody pretty, I think they had 11 different guys get interceptions Multiple guys with tackle for losses. You look at old, at old Dominion, six different guys have interceptions. Five different guys have at least four sacks. Or think, what was I said? At least a sack or more, two sacks or more, what I wrote today. That right there is it's scary against a team like UTEP because that tells me they're uniform enough to stop a one-trick pony. If it goes back, if, if, when we've seen it under Sean Coogler. Now, we haven't seen it under Brent Peace, but when the offense opens up, what happens the next week? It goes back into a yeah. shell. Will that if that happens again against Old Dominion? I don't. They're win by twenty. Points. Yeah, they're gonna win by twenty points be, just because of how collectively sound their defense is. Now it got exposed against Western Kentucky. Why? Western Kentucky opened up the hell out of that offense, and that quarterback just slung it around. He was like twenty-eight of thirty-two for four hundred yards. Talk about a hashtag efficiency. So I think you really have to get them out of their mold even more. The UGSA it was almost elementary. We used the tight ends with the crossing routes. We kind of backed up off their, their secondary backed up. We didn't, take, we didn't really take that many shots. The only shots we really took were with Aaron Jones, which to me, those are money plays with Aaron Jones. I think those are high percentage plays with yeah. Aaron Jones compared. And it's not a knock like on a Senegal or any of other receivers, but you just know that for one, you're going to get the coverage you want. And for two, Aaron Jones is going to make a play. So being the, you got to take care of the football. The most impressive thing from UTEP's offense on Saturday was the fact that Ryan Metz was almost automatic on third downs and he didn't have a turnover. And I think that is going to play a huge part against a collectively good, I don't want to say collectively good, but a collectively sound defense of Old Dominion where everybody's had a moment to shine. Everybody kind of knows their role. And they have a really good linebacker, TJ Ricks, who I think has a small shot at playing at the NFL next year. And that's going to be the key, just Staying to your principles, but continue to open it up. I mean, I, I did. I looking at, at what Hayden Plink was able to do since Ryan Metz has started. 14 catches, 150 yards, and a touchdown. That's what you need. A guy like Plink, we've talked about it so much. You got to be able to move him around. I love what they're doing on the crossing routes. Now I want to see him go vertical. Now I want to see him run a skinny post right up the middle, right behind the linebacker, or send a linebacker with him. I think that's going to be a key because. They seem like an opportunistic defense, a very athletic defense, a very uh, a defense that's going after the money basically every play. So if UTEP can play sound and Ryan Metz is, is – is, we know he had that playmaker gene, obviously. That was something that came out first. We haven't really seen it this year, though. I, but but, but the, so saying, replacing that, I've seen a smart smart quarterback yeah, he's play. Being evolved. And he's to growing me, up. He's yeah, trying. and to me, I think that's the biggest thing because I've seen – I always brag about this. I've seen Ryan Metz throw every pass since the sophomore year at Andrews. That playmaker gene will come out, yeah. as we saw in overtime, as we saw in a couple of plays. But him just doing the little things of taking care of the football, making the right reads, making the right checks. I don't know if, if, how much freedom he has auto at the line of scrimmage or whatnot to break down that. But seeing that mental curve – 
is a huge thing because we weren't really seeing that as Tobia Johnson. We weren't seeing that to a point with that Greenlee, and that's going to help against a defense that forces chingo amount of turnovers, and they don't turn the ball over themselves. Plus nine in the turnover margin, fifth in the nation. That's impressive. I don't care who you are. No doubt about it. And you're exactly right when you talk about this offense needing to continue to do what we saw last week and just be creative, evolve, build open up it up, and continue to evolve. You know. We, if we, if what we've seen in Sean Kugler's tenure, you know, of of just basically regressing right back to where you were before, it's, it's going to be a long weekend, and you're going to have a lot of disappointed fans. Um, and the odds are for it happening, like I said, just because we've seen this. But I do like what I've seen out of Ryan Metz. Um, he, he's. We talked a lot about before he took over as starting quarterback. We talked a lot about, um, you know, his. He's more likely, he's more prone to throwing interceptions more because he takes more chances and whatnot. But we've only seen him throw one pick so far. And it was a tip you know? pick. And it was, it was a tip, tip, I'm pretty sure. Greenlee threw three in his two starts or three starts or whatever it was. So, you know, we're seeing a quarterback evolve into, you know, a guy that can really thrive in this type of offense because it doesn't ask him to do too much. You know, take care of the football. Hey, and every now and then, like you talk about it, have that playmaker gene come out. When it comes down to this ball game here, though, yeah, I mean, we we have to continue to to let just just let the game flow, yeah. you know. Quit trying to quit. we we've gone down this road of just trying to control the clock all day long. We want to pound it. We want to do it our way. Nah, sometimes you don't need to do it that way. So just kind of you know let the game flow. The running game will come with it, and just continue to open things up a little bit, and and we'll see a good ball game Saturday. But man. If we go back, it's, it's kind of scary. It's just, it's, I don't know. Uh, we've seen it too many times. It's, it's kind of, you almost expect it. I, you almost expect for this play calling to go right back to where it was before this UTSA game. And, and I hope that's not the case, but you've just seen it so many times. And that's why I brought it up because, like I said, it's, it's a different, it's different because we know that Sean Cougar kind of had that whip on Patrick Higgins. That's true. We've kind of, Thought that and and that now stuff's kind of turning out to be all on the line right now too. Yeah, so he doesn't have a lot of choice. And we saw how it was last year when when you can kind of tell jobs were sort of on the line and how things did have to open up. It, so that is going to be a, a big question because I think now with the game Brent Peace called on on Saturday, that's really got to give Cougar a lot of confidence because that is the and and another thing that we could bring up is. Why does it take so long for Sean Cougar to quote unquote open it up or quote unquote let Stubborn, his quarterback man. quarterback? Says, I mean, it's that that's a question the that guy we, that wants to do what he wants to do and nobody's going to tell him any different. You could just you know when you when you there's 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 one thing to be disciplined and like be this no nonsense type of guy, but it's another thing to just be completely stubborn and like want to do it your way exactly. Yeah. And, and and that's what we've seen out of Sean Cougar so far. Hopefully that's changed. Hopefully that's changed, but. I just, I, I really just hope that, you know, that 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 is, that that continues, and that's the Brent piece that Cougar wants, you know, that that mix it up, that guy that's not going to pound Aaron Jones eleven times in the half, but eleven times in the game, and be able to throw for two hundred yards, and be able to also hit Aaron Jones. And there'll for be a time time. when you need Jones to run for oh, twenty, yeah. you know, oh, late, late in the third quarter. But, but, but yeah, there's, there's no need to do it on a regular basis just because you have him and just because you want to use him and you want to run the football. It's not smart. And and you know we've we've seen it we've seen it work at times, but consistent you know throughout 
especially coming into a game like this where you talk about a defense that you don't want to call necessarily a great defense or a real good defense, but they're sound fundamentally. And they're going to, if you allow them to, to just, you know, key on one thing, they're going to tee off on it, you know? So I don't know, man. We'll see what happens with this one. How do you, how do you, how do you see, give, tell me how you see it playing out and give me one major I want to say that, that Sean Kugler knows that there's too much on the line to, to, to turn back at this I agree. point. You know, I, I want to believe that. So assuming that, assuming that the play calling, you know, is better than it's been or, or, you know, I would like to think that UTEP will be in a close game. I just don't know if we've got enough to beat this team right now. Um, The home crowd, if there is one, you know, obviously we've seen how it's been, may play somewhat of a factor, but I – I want to say that, you know, we're going to come up a little short, man. I, I don't want to say that, but that's how I feel. I just feel like I haven't seen an offense that can put up 35, 40 points, and I really feel like when Old Dominion plays well, there, there's no keeping them under 30. So I expect Old Dominion to play well. I'm going to say it's going to be in the range of like a 35-31 final or, you know, somewhere like that, man. I just I don't know if we're going to have the ability to outscore them. Hopefully the defense can come up with some big stops and turnovers, if we can get some turnovers, that'll change everything. But we haven't seen too many of those this year, so it's kind of tough. What about I agree. You? I, think, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a close game for three quarters. I think defense is gonna continue to disrupt. I guess you can say maybe not so much slow down an offense, but they're gonna disrupt enough where Aaron Jones can pop one at home, Ryan Metz can pop one. But I think a, a late 27-21 Old Dominion lead turns. I feel kind of feel like the way I felt that last week's game was gonna go. We're, we're driving, we're doing well, and then that three and out comes, and then boom, they score. And I think 34-21, 33-21, I, I just, I'm not sold on this UTEP offense to consistently put four or five really good scoring drives together, yeah. which is what, you're, what I feel they're going to need against Old Dominion. And I think it's going to take 30 they, points. And, and they're going to have to force. I mean, this game, I really think no, anything less than two turnovers, it's going to be tough to win this game. It's going to be tough to control it. If they don't, UTEP's going to have to win another crazy close game like they did last week. The thing that I'm more excited, though, is, is to see the energy return, to see guys like Walter Don emerge, to see Cole tag continue to do his thing and continue to see Ryan Metz grow. And that defense, like you said, the little things, tackling in open space, a couple of those sacks, even though UTEP was, felt like they got a decent pass rush, but to, to be able to grab those sacks and not let the quarterback extend the play and kill the momentum of the defense, those are the little things that I think can really mold this UTEP team into a team that all of a sudden you're doing those things, you're forcing turnovers, you're executing drives, you're opening it up, you're getting off the field on third down. Now you're scoring points because you have a field position, because your team's rolling, and not only that, but – you have the other team maybe selling out defensively where you yeah. can catch them slipping. So those are little keys that I think really have to go right for UTEP in this game. And, I mean, do we really need to even talk about this crowd? I mean, it's like homecoming week, and it's like I don't see any high tip. You don't see any marketing, nothing, not a piece. It's disappointing, man. It's disappointing as hell. And, I mean, now basically you're getting your eighteen to 22,000 but one thing, one thing's for sure, man. This season is absolutely, and if there's going to be a miracle that happens, it's going to start. It's going to start with this week. No doubt about it. No doubt. So six o'clock p.m. Mountain Time. I think the only option is that crappy CUSA TV, where they charge you like seven bucks a day or something for a crap fee. Just show up to the game if you're an EP, or you can follow us on Twitter and retweet all our shit. That'd be cool. That too. <laughs> 
But let's move along to this the latest edition of the Conference USA Power Rankings, and these are just getting really, really interesting. They're getting fun to see how things unfold. But I thought it was a, a good week for the conference because Western Kentucky took care of business mm-hmm. and old or excuse me, Old Dominion. They took care of business against Old Dominion, but Middle Tennessee went in the SEC country and finally finally what we what we have been saying all year about Middle Tennessee with their offense, yeah. they were able to go in there and, and do against that was a game that was a game where, you know, you just felt like there was gonna be a point where Middle Tennessee wasn't gonna be able to keep up the scoring. And they just kept doing it. I was tracking that game. I was following it pretty much from start to finish. And, you know, they, they went up 7-0. And I think they went up 14-0, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, you just felt like, can this pace continue? And Missouri would answer every single call. And then Middle Tennessee would come back and answer every single call. It was it a, you know, a 10-point lead late. Yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it was really impressive to see Middle T- Tennessee do that. I think they really settled into that top, top two spot, maybe top three, however you want to put it. Um, but yeah, definitely that was that was a great win for them, a great win for the conference in, in SEC country. That's something we haven't seen. When's the last time somebody's gone into SEC country? It was the Southern I, I, Miss, was the Southern Miss game at Kentucky? Kentucky? Yeah, it was at, okay. Yeah. We'll give them and that. I, and I think Kentucky, Western Kentucky Kentucky's made, not really uh, SEC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say that's what I was gonna say. Kentucky, I think they beat Vanderbilt last year, but yeah, Vanderbilt. I mean, they, I guess they. Oh, what the hell? I don't know what's going on over there. Oh, that tripped me out. <laughs> Dan Heron, oh, they look like Dan Heron. But either way, uh, Western Kentucky coming in number one. Nine for, it was really interesting to see kind of the top three votes where you see Western Kentucky pick up nine, Middle Tennessee with three. And people are still sold on Louisiana Tech. They came in with four third place, uh, first place yeah, votes. And it, where, where do you kind of have these top three? Where, where do you kind of have Yeah, these? I mean, after that win, you got to have Middle Tennessee at two, I think. Western Kentucky – I mean, they're on thin ice for me when yeah. it comes to number one. I, I held out, you know, in the first opening weeks, you know, I held out with them. I still think they're the top team because of how explosive their offense is. But Middle Tennessee showing that they can go to a team like Missouri. And Missouri's not very good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, you know, they can go out to a on place their like Missouri on their homecoming, and they can put up 51 on them. I mean, Western Kentucky definitely better look out. Or that spot's going to be taken from them real quick. They both have winnable games this week, FAU, FIU. Louisiana Tech, you know, they're a good team. Um, class of the West so far. Class of the West, definitely. I mean, I really expect them to win the West, but I don't know if they can actually win the league take, taking out, uh, you know, one of these two top top teams. They're 30-point favorites against Rice. That's week. ridiculous, though. <laughs> it opened at 23 and a half That's and moved up to 30 though. within like two days. What's crazy, crazy is that the, the only way lines move in Vegas is by money being placed yeah. on them. So a lot of people are expecting Louisiana Tech to Houses, roll. cars, CDs, yeah. bonds, all on the Bulldogs. I think they take care of business, but I mean, you, you know when you, you know about these high point spreads. When yeah, you can have a thirty point lead with seven minutes to go, but somebody Rice goes on a drive and you're going to prevent defense. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, but yeah, that's going to be an interesting game just to see if if Louisiana Tech can continue the surge. I think it's three or four games in a week. If they go out there and mop Rice, I mean, pretty much it's it's Louisiana. Even though Southern Miss is right behind them at number four, they had a bye week. They got Marshall. Talking, we'll talk about Marshall later, but I think if Louisiana Tech takes care of business against Rice, I think it's really Louisiana Tech's side of the conference to lose. No doubt about it. Southern Miss, as we move to them, they got rolled by, uh, by LSU. That game was actually close in the second half before LSU had four big plays, and that's going to happen against an SEC opponent. Mm-hmm. But four scores over 20 points, or over 20 yards, put them in the hole. And this is a team that's kind of weird. 
I, I guess you could say, because we expected a lot more out yeah. of out of Southern. I mean, they're Miss. sitting where they belong. Yeah, but they're sitting where they're belonging. It's like okay, it's setting up for them and Louisiana Tech to roll it all. But can you take? But the same, it's kind of looking at both these teams. Can Southern Miss take care of business against Marshall, and can Louisiana Tech take care of business against? against you know, Price? Marshall is a real disappointing team um, because I shouldn't even say that we have our own struggles here. But the, I'm, I'm sure fans over there are, are, are real disappointed. But you know, they, they've got a whole lot of issues, man. Like just mental issues. I was watching the game against uh, was it Charlotte this weekend? Yeah. You know, they put up 24 points in the first half, and it takes me back to that first game against uh, was it Akron or? Yeah. The game where they yeah. got rolled. You know, they, they were moving the ball like nothing, scoring at will in the first four points. And and then I don't even think they scored in the second half. Like they, they just It was drop balls. It was penalties. It was just poor throws from their quarterback. I mean, just mistake after mistake after mistake. And that's that's what turns you into a 2-5 and five team is those types of mistakes and issues. And so I don't know if, you know, beating Marshall is necessarily – um, you know, a big win for Southern Miss this week or next, is it next yeah, this week, this week. This week. but um, that's a game that you definitely have to win yeah. if you want to continue to keep pace in this, in this conference USA West. I don't know that it necessarily means you are, you know, one of the better teams, but yeah. it's a game that you have to win. Number five coming in with 140 points, North Texas. That's the surprise right there. I watched that first half. They forced three or four turnovers. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Army looked looked like a totally because I mean, Army came in here and did business. Army continues to continue to do business after that. Their defense was still ranked in the top three, but to see them make mistakes like that was because of how aggressive North Texas was defensively. I mean, that I think that's what we knew. You know, they hired. Uh, I can't. The guy, uh, Seth Literal, he's a, a Mike a Mike Leach disciple. Graham Harrell obviously was a Mike Leach quarterback. So we expected offense. We expected explosive offense. But you're, what you're getting is you're getting sound defense, mm-hmm. physical defense that's turning teams over, and then you're getting a nasty running game. How many Jeffrey teams Wilson. has Army played in Conference USA this year? Is this the third one or fourth? The third one. one. I think they still got one more. So, if I'm not mistaken. Oh no, you know they played Conference USA teams back to back. That's so. You know, this is the only t- – and I'm fact, I don't even know that anybody that they've played so far has held them under 20 points. Nah, I don't so, so, very, very impressive win by North Texas. But more than anything, for them to be 4-3 and three at this point in the season and, and pole vaulting up this, these rankings. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that they were sitting down at 12 or 11 or whatever it was. And, and they're all of a sudden up into that top half of the league. I don't want to say top tier. But, you know, they're taking care of business. And that's a team to look out for in the West, man. You know, they can they take definitely care take care of business against – Against UTSA this weekend, you know, if they play as well as they did last week, I, I think they win that game. Yeah. And then, you you know, three and one in conference, I mean, setting up for, for some showdowns. I don't know exactly how their schedule sets up, but that's a team to look out for out of the West. I mean, I don't know if you can really call them a dark horse anymore, but they're there. If they t- I, th- I agree. If they take care of UTSA, watch out. I mean, that's a team that's definitely bowl-bound for one. And, yeah, if they can sneak up on – I don't know if they – I don't think they played Southern Miss or Louisiana Tech – those are two games that they're just going to continually get better, and they're so young, especially with their quarterback, a true freshman. You know, Jeffrey Wilson's a sophomore stud. I think sophomore junior still a young guy. That's definitely a team to watch out for. Number six, coming in with 121 points, Old Dominion. Talked a bunch about them. They fell off from the number five spot last week. Not too far behind FIU, uh, 111 points. After that hot Conference USA start, they kind of came down to – Reality, I guess you can say, with Louisiana Tech, they gave up 44. That game was fairly close, 
for the most part, Louisiana Tech had a two-score lead. It was 44-24, but it's not a game that Louisiana Tech just totally dominated mm-hmm. from the get-go. So you see little growth from FIU. They're still not there. Even though they, I mean, we talked about how favorable their schedule was, Charlotte, UTEP. Yeah. But they're really going to get tested now with Middle Tennessee at home. They played well at home. I don't want to say well. They played competitive competitively at home and that's going to kind of be that eliminator game to see okay are they are they going to be that true dark horse but i think middle tennessee definitely takes care of business no doubt about it uh utsa comes in at number eight number eight even after that loss to utep they're down for number six they got north texas this weekend um and utep comes in at number nine that's one where we're we're out yeah we're back into the top 10 but um hey in my opinion, you beat this team heads up on the road. UTEP should be ahead of UTSA, but obviously, been so many other struggles. You know, it's hard to. It's hard. It's, it, you know, you can't completely justify it. But I, it, for me personally, UTEP's eight. UTSA yeah. is nine. Charlotte okay. coming in at number ten. They got a big win at Marshall, like we're, like I was just mentioning a second ago. Marshall again in disarray, all sorts of issues with them. But still, Charlotte, another team that even though it's only ten, a few weeks ago they were without question, number 13, and, and they had been there forever. And so for them to come out of that and be up to number 10, picking up a couple wins, three and five now, two and two in the league, they're on a bye now. So they, they're, good. they're still eligible, man. Got to feel good going to that bye if you're Charlotte. Marshall, like we talked about, coming to 11, just so many shaking my head that Marshall so far. Got to feel for their fans. I'm pretty sure their message boards are lighting up a fire me. And then, fire me thread. And then who is in number 12 and who is in number 13? Right, <laughs> right. God, I mean, 65 points against Prairie View, but you give up 44, so that shows where that team's at, man. Uh, struggling Rice at Louisiana Tech, FIU against WKU to end out the week. And I wanted to get Aaron Jones to Alan, Alan Luna's had a great year over the past three or four games. He started off slow, but definitely something to keep an eye on. And how about them Houston Cougars? SMU? SM who? SM who? Knocked off Houston. I yeah, had to that, drop them down in our five pole here. You know, that was definitely not expected not at all. all. Um, They've been kind of living on the edge a little bit, though, the past couple of weeks. So, yeah, that's definitely a surprise. But another week. I think, I think the biggest thing is, you know, that what really vaulted them into, you know, being one of the top teams in the nation was that early what? win over Oklahoma. Yeah. You know, so we didn't know exactly how good this team was, but they played really well and they knocked off Oklahoma and everybody was like, okay, this is a top 10 team. Yeah. I was even nodding, Playoff you know, they team, looked yeah. really good. Um, and, and, you know, then they kind of settled in from there and, and they're still a good team, obviously, but they've got their, they've got their issues and we've seen them nearly lose some games, yeah. you know, ever since that win. I think the week after they played Cincinnati, if I'm not mistaken, and it was it was a, it was like tied in the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden they won by like 28 because of turnovers and whatnot. But it was actually a game into the fourth quarter, so they've had their issues. But I, I like the way the college football landscape is setting up right now. Ohio State loses to Penn State, and Michigan now is into the number two spot. They take care of business during the playoffs. Alabama takes care of business during the playoffs. Then you got three and four. Is it Clemson and Washington? Washington's up That's to number right. four. They were, they were six and those, so I mean, this, this this year is going to be one of the better playoffs that we've seen. Because yeah. in years past, there's been a bias towards different teams. You know, SEC's SEC, been, yeah. they always want to give them two teams. You know, you have, you know, other schools that, that are a lot expected of them when coming in from like the Jameis Winston, F4 State teams or last year with Clemson and whatnot. But this year there was like, you knew Alabama, you knew Michigan were going to be good. 
Uh, I don't think you knew exactly how good Michigan would be Michigan just yet. Yeah. You know, they were obviously what Harbaugh did last year was showing a lot, but you knew those two. But after that, I mean, for for Clemson to still be doing what they're doing is pretty impressive because there was some questions coming in. But Washington, man, they're they're playing really well, and this is turning out to be, you know, what could be a pretty damn good playoff, man. You got a team from the south, you got a team from the west, you got a team from the Midwest, you got a team from the east, so. Don't, don't sleep on Nebraska. They can take care of business against Wisconsin. I'm not too fully sold on Nebraska they, yet, but they are in the They're not going to be Michigan. You know, I don't think they'll be Michigan. Nah, but, be Michigan. So the Big Ten, you think, is a strong Nebraska? Was, was it Nebraska struggling with Purdue this weekend? For, I think for First half, they were down. 14-10 or something. But anyway, we'll see. So, so Big Ten's definitely ahead and above the SEC now? Is that, is that what you're trying to tell me? Or is it, are they are they close the gap? Or is it this particular year just because – SEC is top heavy. We're I've really never, good I've never felt that the SEC was that much better than other conferences. I, I felt the same way about the Big East in basketball before they dissolved mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it, turned into the new Big East and whatever. They had the sexy name. You know, they, it was a history that was behind them, and they they always got so much attention, and they always wanted these teams to be good. That there were times when, when the Big East was getting nine and ten teams in the NCAA tournament. It was ridiculous. You know, you can't tell me that the tenth best team in the Big East is better than the second or third in in some of these, you know, Missouri Valley Conference or something like that. But yet, every single year they're getting those those type those type, that type of bias, and it's the same thing with the SEC, in my opinion. Obviously, Alabama is head and shoulders above. Alabama may could compete in the NFC North. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, aside from Alabama, this isn't necessarily a league that really. You know, Top to bottom. Yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah. I mean, even Wisconsin winning and beat LSU this year. So, you know, I've never been a huge fan of the SEC. Obviously, it's a good football conference. But uh, this year, I would say that very top-heavy, and then not a whole lot after that. Mississippi struggled. Mississippi State's terrible. Uh, you know, teams – who else Who else would you expect? LSU's coming around with Ed Orgeron, bro. Yeah. That guy – Coach O, give him a, somebody give him a job. Man. Yeah, he deserves it. He deserves it, but – Anyway, enough about the SEC, enough about college football. Let's, let's turn our attention over to some college basketball, and that is the minors. They're coming off this uh, orange and white scrimmage this past weekend, dunk contest, three-point contest. Tell us all about it, man. Uh, definitely more negatives than positives. Let's start with the positives. Omega Harris couldn't miss. I mean, that right there, we, we, talk, we, we talked about this three or four podcasts in a row. We talked basketball where – Omega Harris has to be that alpha. He has to be that score. He has to be that dude. And he was that dude. I mean, ridiculous numbers from O. I mean, he started four or five from three-point land, finishes with 34 points, knocked down eight of 11 three-point shots. Pretty much all of them were from the corner. That was kind of interesting with me because I, I, not, not like that was a negative or nothing. We've seen Omega kind of hit from everywhere, but he, yeah. they're really focusing on that corner. Omega was obviously a bright spot. I guess we'll power rank the bright spots here. Number one was Omega. That's what you expect. Thirty-four points this type of this type of game. Number two, Paul Thomas is confident. Paul Thomas had a great game, sixteen and ten. Uh, was very active defensively, but I think his maturity and his confidence are just are finally what we expect out of a four-star guy. You know what I mean? We were kind of wondering where that was last year. He was a freshman last year. Now this year, that confidence is through the roof. Now, I, I want to see him knock down jumpers against teams that he's against New Mexico. I would, that's kind of the next step for him. You know what I mean? Because it's one thing to go out there, and, he, and that, that was kind of a big thing, too, is he knocked down two jumpers, probably from about 18 foot out. Actually, it was three. One was closer to the elbow, probably 17, 18 foot, whatever. 
But I want to see that type of production, that 16 and 10, because I'm not looking at that 16 and 10 solely. You know, it's real easy to get caught up in box scores. We all know that. But to see his maturity, to see his growth that way, his confidence, that was huge. So now that next step was, okay, take that 16 and 10, and let's see you do that in the scrimmage on Sunday or the exhibition on Sunday. And then now take that 16 and 10. And against against you see that ring? Who's was it? LeBron. LeBron. And, and, and take that 14 point, 12 point rebound effort against New Mexico State. I mean, that, those are just the little things that I want to see out of a guy like Paul Thomas. And that was huge, huge to see as LeBron shows off that. But, yeah. <laughs> he didn't even, she, are those heat rings, he probably sold them. Are you giving the D Wade like him, bro? <laughs> I'm only going to rock this thing. Oh, you give him to the but, side, bro. Uh, the, the third thing, and this is probably the third and final positive thing, is Terry Wynn. We saw him lose weight. He's still a fool. Yeah. He's still a monster. He's still going to be able to impose his will. And, and that was positive. I'm going to throw in a bonus like I always do. Kelvin Jones ain't that bad that we thought. Yeah. He's not that bad. The, 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 the key outlier that we talked about him is can he go and make a post move? And Now, granted, I'm, we're going to talk more about this in the negatives. There was nobody that could really body him or do nothing. So to see him go back-to-back post moves and the score – that was encouraging. Same thing we saw in high school. Yeah, in high school yeah, video. So that was encouraging to see, okay, it's there. At least it's there. It yeah. may not be at the level that you want, but it's not there. So here's a question. Obviously, it's hard. We talk about this all the time. It's hard to gauge yeah. anything from this type of game. But, you know, who, who are the guys that you see that could come in that could be X Factors? We had our ideas, you know, throughout the offseason. But did, it, did you see anything – from any of these young guns, or even Touchette, or even Flaggard, or even guys like that, who's going to be the guy that's going to step up? Because we know what we've got in our yeah. top-tier players. Who else is going to be producing for this team? I just – I don't see it. I just – I, and that, I, I sadly don't that, see That, my it. friend, is, is what keeps this team from going from, you know, being a, a 15 to 17 win team yep. to being a 20 to 22 win team. And let me say this now. That, this is not shitting on the newcomers, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. But there, there is definitely plenty of upside. Cameron, uh, Tim Cameron has great upside. Adrian Moore has great upside. Dion Barrett, he had a horrible game, but I could see the baller in him. But I don't know if that's going to come around by February. Yeah. I don't know if these guys are going to come up to speed. Now, maybe next year, holy hell, yeah, you, you would bet because these guys may get thrown. But I, like I said on Twitter the other day, uh, somebody was asking about, you know, who who are the newcomers that, that we could see as far as freshmen getting minutes? Outside of Kelvin Jones and Adrian Moore, I don't know if any of these freshmen play this year that much. We know how Tim Floyd is when you don't grasp something or when you're just showing potential, but you're not consistent, which – and, and let me break down what I saw. I saw Tim Cameron with a lot of confidence, tons of confidence, talking about, you know, not being scared. That, that was Tim Cameron, but he's still a step – Ahead sometimes and a step behind. Label him a freshman. Yeah. Same thing with Deion Barrett. The game got kind of fast for him. Label him a freshman. It's going to slow down. Adrian Moore was kind of wild at times. He'll slow down. But this year, can these guys develop by January, February when you really need them to play well? I don't know. I just I, being being brutally honest and being real with you guys, I don't know. But the potential's there. We know what these guys have. We know that they like Floyd says. I mean, he maybe doesn't recruit. <laughs> five-star starters, but he recruits athletes. And these guys are great athletes that need to grow into their basketball IQ, need to grow into their basketball sense. But maybe Kelvin Jones can't. Maybe out of anybody, 
maybe Kelvin Jones can dominate against these small teams, but that's another thing. That's, we're, we're so small. That's bro. the thing. That's what that, I was that, that, that was another neg- – my first negative was that no, none of these freshmen really stood out that was like, okay, they're going to help. They stood out to me, well, oh, these are good athletes. They're fast. They're quick. They have upside, but they're nowhere near close yet. Any, but Kelvin Jones, he might, he might be that guy February – January, February rolls around where you're seeing him do things that you're like, oh, shit. Oh, that's, that's what's I think, up. I think he's a guy that they're also going to be forcing into the lineup. Big time. Because you Matt know, whether Will he's ready or not. Low Matt Will did he actually play? Yeah, he yeah. did. You know, Matt, what's the update with the, with the foot? He said he's good. He said he's good. He said there's no more pain. But, bro, he's, he looks like a guy that hasn't played. That's all I could say. Like, negatively, I guess you could say, which – Sort of is in and out of his control in a sense because he was in his in his rehab program and he goes back into the boot. So it's not like he's had three months to really yeah. get ready. He's had a small window to, and that's hard as hell when you haven't played in a year. And I see, you know, I'm not trying to air out Matt's business, but Matt was chilling, bro. I was sitting him at a bar drinking, hey, whatever, do what you do, play. But you know what I mean? Yeah. You could just see where he was not in basketball shape at all while he was chilling, and now asking him to get in a one-month window before a scrimmage to come out, that's really not a knock on Wilms as far as him being out of condition more just stating the obvious. Yeah. But he did look slow, but he did do some things. And the thing, I think, with his conditioning, he settled a lot. For a lot of little jumpers, he shot a little bit more. And now I, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, if he gets into shape, maybe that'll change. But, you know, that, that, that size, I mean, that, and I'm, and looking, that, I'm thinking about the first half of the season. I'm like, you know what, we're going to look good against these – Shitty South. Hey, we, we have the Char- was it Charleston Classic is what it's called. Yeah, we well, have the Charleston Classic and we have an M- a UNM. That's not going to yeah. be. But but I said all the home games, yeah. we're going to score eighty. But when we're playing these bigger teams and that lack of depth, and, and it's a, you know what it is, it's the same boring ass offense from the Julian Washburn era, from the Vince Hunter era. That's what so I saw. We, the X's and O's wise, that's another thing that another thing that just pissed me off is it's. That same bullshit offense. Instead of last year, we're we're driving, we're slashing. Now I will say there were some guys that had some quick triggers with their jumpers, which is kind of different. But it's I feel that it's going to go back to that boring ass ten foot offense, not that flex type of stuff that they were running last year. So those were kind of the, the things that stood out. And, and what's crazy is the negatives stood out way more to me because, like I said, I wasn't wearing orange goggles. I was really looking, and like I said, I took into account because it was a scrimmage. But just those negatives, I'm comparing this to when they play New Mexico, when Middle Tennessee comes in here, when UAB comes in here, when Western Kentucky, when we have to go on the road, and those teams that have that man depth, depth that, you know what I mean, that mm-hmm. girth, those ballers, those older guys, even North Texas to a sense because they have all those transfers, I think this team is definitely going to struggle. But but there's hope. I mean, it's not like – it's not like nothing's there. It's just a lot of young, a lot of raw talent that is going to have to mold itself together if this team wants to, like you said, be a 14-17 win team to a 20-win team that can compete onto that third day of that conference yeah. tournament come March. Here's a, here's a question for me and this that I have, and this is something that we haven't really had an answer in the last few years. Um, do, we, do you think that Omega Harris has kind of – evolved into that go-to scorer or is he just taking advantage of his athleticism versus lesser competition because we if I'm not mistaken he put up some kind of numbers like this last year in a scrimmage or something or other and then obviously he came out and exploded in the when he became eligible um but you know do, do you think that this was just one game and he was you know basically 
playing against lesser competition? Or do you think this is a guy that we found as our go-to scorer? Because we haven't had a guy that when we need a bucket, the ball goes to him. Do you think Omega Harris can be that guy? Or, or how do you see that turning out? That's a good question. I think yes and no. Yet no, because watching what Omega did, I mean, D.A. was feeding him some dimes off of his – like, he was drawing so much attention. It would have been from, nice from, to see them play against from, each other, man. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. But to see how Dion Barrett and those guys kind of guarded, they were, they were obviously concerned about D.A. driving the lane. So D.A. deferred a lot. And he was able to get – I mean, Omega's first five jumpers were wide. The first four or five, he was wide the fuck open. I probably – my fat ass probably could have knocked down <laughs> two or three of those. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I think – I'm going to say no, but I'm going to say yes because – a guy like Dominic Artis can kind of control the game a little bit and get him the ball in those situations. So no, because like I said, I don't think that he went and got his shot against quote unquote lesser competition in the scrimmage. I think it was more of just like, just DA playing point guard and taking with the defense, giving him an Omega and him having that chemistry. And I think that could lead him into a go-to guy, but I don't think this is a guy that, you're going to, that template is going to be like, okay, we're drawing up a screen. You know what I mean? It's yeah. going to be a, like a catch and shoot situation. So that's why I say no, because a go-to guy for me is the guy that you can give off an ISO and say go, or you can run something off, off a ball screen or, or off a regular screen and, you know, catch and go. I don't think he's that guy yet. I wanted to see that more. He just looked like a really, really good shooter that kind of understood spots of where they were trying to take away. And D.A. just being D.A. was getting that D.A. had like eight assists and only three turnovers. He, he was solid. He deferred a lot, made a couple of shots, but you can tell that D.A. wasn't looking to score. D.A. may need to look to score a little bit, especially if Omega, you know, has an off night. You know, maybe he's not hitting like that. But to your question, I think certain games, certain situations will dictate that. But I don't think he is that guy just because I didn't see him go get his shot. You know what I mean? Like, if he would have – if Omega was driving the lane, hitting little baby jumpers, you know, basically tearing up a defense, I would be like, oh, hell yeah, bro. But I just – I see there's going to be certain situations that may allow it. But with DA controlling the ball, I think Omega's best bet is just to find find an open spot. Find an open spot, get create separation, create space from DA so they're not drawing too much attention. But I think that go-to guy could possibly be Terry Wynn. But Terry still – kind of struggled. He made a, a couple of really good post moves, and the same thing that we saw last year where he was just a little short on that layup or that two-hander where he tries to, you know, protect protect the ball and put it, he was still short on that. Yeah. So that's a work in progress, but I think if there's anyone that could possibly do that with the chemistry of this team, it could be Terry Wynn to be that go-to guy because he can score inside and also get two jumpers. That was great to see. We talked about him transitioning to that more of a stretch three, stretch four, but to see him knock down his first jumper, and he looked pretty natural doing it, that's pretty good to see. No doubt about it. And, and you know, one thing about Terry Wynn, man, is we're going to need that guy. With, with the lack of depth that this team has, especially in the front court, you know, we're going to need him to stay out of foul trouble. You know, that's a guy that last year, almost every game, it seemed like he was getting ready to foul out. Two um, of his first seven Yeah, and so, so we need from him this year, especially if he end up being that go-to guy like you're talking about but as you all know the the what was it orange beat white i don't even know 70 61 the or, orange one is that the yeah one? they were 10 point favorite by my books <laughs> <laughs> didn't cover but but we got southeastern oklahoma state on sunday is it sunday at one o'clock. sunday one o'clock in the don haskins center 
After that, you got Alaska Fairbanks a week after that, and Louisiana College to open up the season on the 12th. Or is that another exhibition? Is Louisiana College? No, nah, that's season opener. That's season opener, right? Season opener. Louisiana College. Football game in a day. Wow. Mm. Hey, I, I think I could probably get into Louisiana College, you know? <laughs> Jeez, man. <laughs> Schedule stacked this year, huh? Stacked. Southeast Louisiana, Northwestern's a bunch of East, West, Northwest, Southwest states. Great athletes, great athletes. But yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what like I'm Is this the same is it real quick, is this the same uh, Don Haskins invitation as last year? No, because Alcorn State in and Alcorn State. That's a team that they've been amazing. I think they went two years in a row, if I'm not mistaken. They collected a nice check. Got got to stay in a nice hotel, gotta eat some good food. But let me pose this question before we wrap it up here. From the box score, whether you're gonna go look watch the game yourself, what are you looking for in this exhibition? Like I said, it could be a box score stat. You go see it yourself. What, what do you, what's the main thing that I'm you want to see? I'm trying to find this, this X factor, man, because we already know what we're going to get out of Dominic and, and Omega and Terry and, you know, all these guys. We need to find out who's going to step up. It's got to be somebody. It may not happen in the first exhibition game. You know, it may not happen until January or February, but you need to start finding that guy that's going to be able to, to score some points for you and get be productive because – you know, I look at, at a, a team like uh, the Golden State Warriors, you know. Obviously, I'm not going to compare Utah to the Warriors, but in a way, I am. <laughs> they go after Which Warriors. The they Warriors? go after Kevin Durant, you know, and, and they basically gave up their bench. Like, they have no bench now. If you, I'm not, you can't base the season off of one game, but last night they really struggled, and I thought that showed that they don't have those guys beyond their top three or four scores that can produce. If you look down the box score in, in in the fourth quarter when the you know when the guys that who actually play were still in not in garbage time, you know you had I think it was a six man rotation and after the top four the top score was four had four points, and I see that as as like the same with with UTEP. You know that you're gonna have three or four guys that are gonna that are gonna go for 10, 12, 15, 18, 20 points, but who behind those guys is gonna be able to put up? eight points and five rebounds. Knock down big jumpers. Yeah, exactly. Or have a 15-point game out of nowhere. Or You know, those are the guys that, that turn, like we just mentioned a couple times, that turn a 15-17 to 17 win season into a 20-win season that gets you to play into the Conference USA tournament and have an ability, have the opportunity to potentially make a postseason tournament. So, I mean, that's, that's what I'm still trying to see from this team. I think that's the biggest unknown is who behind your three or four top guys is going to be the one to step up. We really expect it from a guy like Flaggart, who's got plenty of experience. Didn't show too much on Saturday. Um, and and I, I just don't know. I mean, maybe it is Calvin, jo- Calvin Jones. But Shed is another guy. This will be Paul this Thomas. will be an opportunity for Calvin Jones to really show against, even though it's an exhibition, but, but, but against but the they have they have six. I still look at their, their roster that are playing seven, two, six, ten, and two, six, nine guys. So then he'll That's have an opportunity. That's bigger than what we yeah. have. That's so he'll, he'll <laughs> have an opportunity to really show, again, it's it's an exhibition. It's against the quote unquote lesser. Don't even know but, that seven two guys can play or whatever. Yeah, but you'll have the opportunity to really show if what you have is for real or if you're just doing this against kids that are six six. You know, so we'll see what happens, man. I mean, it, that that's that's the biggest thing for me is just looking out for who who's going to step up behind guys like Omega and Artis and Win. That's 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 really what this team. I bet you we ask Tim Floyd that right now. That's probably what they're looking for and. I mean, like I said, those guys, those flaggers, your two shits, your Paul Thomases, Kelvin Jones, who's going who's gonna to be that guy, like you said, come January, come even like December when you need to knock off New Mexico State, when you 
would like to grab some sort of a win at New Mexico, but I mean, just so many unknowns with this team still, and I don't think nothing was answered. And, and the way the questions that I'm asking on this team, nothing was answered Saturday. But it's good to see some of these young kids have that confidence. But they're just so far away. They're yeah. just so far away from being factors on this team. Not saying they don't belong at this level, because I mean, Tim Cameron definitely does. Dion Barrett does. Adrian Moore does. Didn't get to see Chris Barnes; he was injured. But they're just not there. They're not there to help this team win. Like I said, take that next level and to be an average team. A contending team, and that could be the downfall of this season. Maybe the downfall of Tim Floyd. Certainly, certainly what he's gone through, but we'll see. We got a whole season to kind of break down and uh, call for Tim Floyd's job later <laughs> in the year. <laughs> well, there y'all have it. There's another episode of the Rush Podcast in the books. Y'all know where to find us minorrush.com, at SBN Minor Rush on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Minor Rush. If you want to get in touch with us through email, it's SBNMinorRush at gmail.com. And if you want to find Alex on Instagram, it's PoppyChulo915. I changed sure it. I changed it. Oh, okay. What is it? I can't give it up. <laughs> <laughs> He's going private. Arietta's about to throw a no-hitter in the World Series, y'all. Is, it, is he having a no-hitter? It's a no-hitter. Oh, wow. Hope you all enjoyed it. Until next time. Peace.